So we now come to today's lesson, which I entitled Misconceptions About Temptation. Anybody had any temptations this week? You don't have to respond, but I'm sure that we have all faced some trials, all right? Some kind of temptation. And um, people, you know, people have always had false ideas uh, about temptation. Because our view, I was going to say there, our view is based on faulty, worldly, and defective reasoning. Uh, did you know that your thinking will affect your, that our thinking will affect our actions? I always like to include myself. I, you know, some, sometimes we, uh, in preaching and teaching, we always say, you know, you, you folks, you're the bad ones. But we have to remember there's three pointing back at us, right? Okay. And that's a reminder. So, uh, our, our thinking affects our actions. And sometimes our thinking will, uh, sometimes it'll get us into trouble. James warns us that if we respond wrongly to temptation, that is the trials of life, there's a danger of falling. And it will obstruct our spiritual growth and our maturity. So, in these verses, verses 13 through 16 here, uh, James wants us to know a few things about temptation. Alright? What are they? Well, first of all, he wants us to know the truth about temptation. Uh, what, what comes to your mind when you hear the word temptation? You can help me here. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about temptation? It's not a good thing. Not a good thing. Alright. Unexpected. Who do we think of concerning temptation? Satan. Huh? Satan. Yes, but who did he tempt? Jesus. In the beginning. Adam and Eve. All right. So when we think of temptation, most people think about Satan tempting Eve in the Garden of Eden. And uh, by the way, by the way, who knows, uh, who, who knows what fruit he used to tempt Eve with? Can, can, can somebody tell me that? Huh? It was the fruit of knowledge. But what was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? We don't know. We don't know. Well, why is it that we picture this all everywhere? You type temptation there in images, and you'll see countless. It's, that's the world's idea, isn't it? Somebody has come up with the idea that it was an apple. Well, it could have been a banana. It, it could have been anything. Yes, Holden. Uh, You know, I've never thought about that. That old Adam's apple. Yes, and only men have them, right? Yeah. yeah, not women. So, but how come she got tempted with an apple? Well, it doesn't say, does it? It, it doesn't. It doesn't tell us. But that's the common answer. It's an apple, but we're not told. Matter of fact, in Genesis three and verse three, it says, "But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, and neither shall ye touch it." lest ye die. Alright? So we don't know what, what fruit it was, but that's, that's the common thought today. Everybody thinks, well, it must have been an apple. Temptation is a, a definite reality. And it comes to everyone, saved or lost. And we're all tempted. And so notice that James says there in uh, verse 13, he says, uh, let no man say when he is tempted. 
It doesn't, he doesn't say uh, if he is tempted. But it's a definite when he is tempted. And it refers to trials, temptation, the word temptation. Um, let me see here. So daily, daily, it, daily we are faced with temptations of anger, of dishonesty, uh, of resentment, uh, of bitterness, of immorality, impurity, and a host of other temptations. And I could ask for some examples, and I'm sure we could all come up with a list of temptations, right? The word temptation carries um, a twofold meaning, okay? So we see here trials versus temptation. First of all, it refers to trials from providential situations or circumstances. Uh, it, it has to do with testing in a good sense with the goal of confirming one in matters of righteousness. In testing us, God's aim is our maturity and development as a Christian. God sends trials to bring to bring out the very best in us. He allows trials, testings to come into our life to, so that it might bring out the best in us. In, in verse 2, notice he said, when we first began this series, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now we saw back then that the, that temptation, it refers to external trials or tests which uh, come as troubles on the outside, all right? But in verse 13, the word tempted there, it means solicitation to do evil. Temptation is an allurement to sin. And it is a test in a bad sense when the goal of corrupting one in matters of righteousness. So in tempting, in tempting us, Satan's aim, what is his aim when he tempts us? It's to disgrace us as Christians. He sends temptations to bring out the very worst in us. God allows trials in our life to bring out the best in us, but Satan brings temptations to bring out the worst in us. So temptation is when the appeal is made to a proper desire to meet this demand in an improper way or time. Trials are on the outside while temptations are on the inside. Are you following me? Okay. Temptation, one author said, one commentary said, temptation is an opportunity to accomplish a good thing, but in a bad way. Out of the will of God. James also wants us to know not only the truth about temptation, but the true source of temptation. And you know, because of our sinful human nature, we, <clears throat> what, what, what do we tend to do concerning Things that happen in life. Blame. Huh? Blame. blame. That's our sinful nature. We tend to blame someone else for our sins. Everyone is good at the blame game. Let me give you some, let me give you some examples. Our politicians, they, they tend to blame each other for our country's problems, don't they? Uh, white people and black people blame each other for all the racial tensions in our country. Husbands and wives blame each other for their marriage problems. You know, Pastor Mark and, and myself, of course, we have counseled, pe counseled people who are having marital problems. And, and you know what? It's always, it's her fault. It's his fault. 
It's always somebody else's fault. It's the children's fault. And so parents and children blame each other for their rebellion. Employers and employees blame each other for their disagreements. Countries blame each other for their wars. And the blame game never stops. Does it? No. So, okay. Here's the big question for you this morning, all right? Who made you sin? Who made you do it? Yes, sir? We did ourselves via sin. Who made me sin? Isn't that... But, but you see that, again, here's the world's concept of what's going on in our, uh, in our, in our lives or in our, in our minds. Or, uh, Satan's on one shoulder and an angel's on the other shoulder. And which one are we going to listen to? So what is the source of our temptation? Is it your environment? Our environment? Uh, is it our upbringing? Is it our circumstances? None of those things made us do it. They didn't make us sin. Now listen, your, your mother and father didn't make you do it. I don't know how many people I've talked to, especially young people, say, well, it's my mom's fault or it's my dad's fault. Your friends didn't make you do it. Now, your husband or wife or mother-in-law or kids didn't make you do it. Now, this may surprise you, but the devil didn't make you do it either. So, get rid of your t-shirt that says the devil made me do it. You ever heard somebody say that? Why'd you do that? Oh, the devil made me do it. You know, in Genesis, again, in Genesis chapter 3 and uh, verse 13, Eve said, basically, it's the serpent's fault. The serpent made me do it. Huh? Verse 13, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The serpent made me do it. Basically, the devil made me do it, right? Hmm. She, she, she put the blame on Satan. Notice that James never mentions Satan in this passage. Huh? I'm sorry? Who did Adam blame? Who did? Well, we're going to find out here in just a minute. Yeah. So in this passage of Scripture, James never mentions Satan as far as temptation. And, uh, you know, he, he may tempt us, Satan may tempt us, but he cannot make us do something. He can't make us do anything, matter of fact. So let's stop blaming the devil for our sin. Who made you do it? Man has always wanted to blame someone else for his sin. Isn't it easier to blame someone else than to accept responsibility? You recall what happened in the book of Genesis here. You remember Moses is up on the mountain. And while he's gone, Aaron, his brother, you remember what he did? He collected all the jewelry and gold and so on. And he made a calf, a golden calf, so that the people could worship this calf. And uh, when Moses comes down off, off of the Mount Sinai, after receiving the Ten Commandments from God, what, what did he find? Huh? 
He, he, he finds chaos. He finds sin. Uh, uh, he, he found the people worshiping this golden calf that uh, Aaron had made out of their jewelry. And when Moses asked him, uh, you know, what he had done, why he did it, what did Aaron do? He blamed the people, didn't he? He, he said, the people made me do it. It's their fault. You see that? You can read that in Exodus chapter 32. First politician. Huh? First, he's the first politician. Yeah. There are some people who want to blame God for tempting them to sin. There are some people who have, um, who have um, actually pointed their finger to God or to heaven and said, God, it's your fault. It's your fault I did. I'm doing what I'm doing. Isn't that what King Saul did when uh, God told him to completely destroy the Amalekites? You remember that? And everything they had, all of their animals. But they spared. They spared. Marilyn, would you look up 1 Samuel, please? 1 Samuel 15. First Samuel 15. Got it? Verse 3 and 9. Doug, would you read verse 13 and 15, please? Through 15. 1 Samuel. Okay, 1 Samuel 15, verse 13 through 15. Okay, Melody, you ready? 3 and 9, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fat things, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. Verse 13 through 15. 13 through 15? Yes, sir. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Uh huh, yeah, right. Yeah. Saul said, well, we did what the Lord asked us to do. And Samuel said, no, no, what's that noise I hear? They were supposed to destroy everything, but they kept the animals. And Saul blames who? The people. There's that blame game again. He blames the people for disobeying God. Okay, now let's get to Adam. Um, Isn't that what Adam did when God asked him why he disobeyed him? Genesis chapter 3 again. Verse 12 and 13. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, what is, well, We read this before, but what is it that thou hast done? The woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. So, what did Adam do? He said, Lord, it's her fault. Yes? I made a mistake. He's the first politician. He's the first politician. Yes, sir. I agree with you. Yeah. 
He, you know, basically what Adam said was, God, it's your fault because you gave her to me. She made me do it. You're responsible for this. Yes, but... So Satan wraps a lie up in the truth. Yes. Or what looks like the truth. And we're compelled to believe it. And that's our rationalization. Well, it looked good. Yes. It sounded good to us. I thought it was right. And so we did. And we did. Yes. Lord, she made me do it. You're responsible for this. It's not my fault. And you know what I say? No, Adam. God didn't make you do it. No. Huh? If, if Eve would have ate of it and Adam wouldn't have, we would have nobody on earth. No, I, I, think, that's, I think, wasn't Adam there at the same time, basically? <laughs> Uh, or he was there in the. Pro- he knew that she was doing it. You know, I. Yeah. Because I, he has to. Because yes. he was kind of in the presence while she was being tempted, and then she succumbed, and then he succumbed. Well, that's possible. Or she could have been there by herself, and then she found Adam and said, hey, look, look what I have. Yes, uh, so, Sam, Sam. You could have say, what's the first sin? Is it that Eve ate the apple, or that Adam fell in his. Priestly duties to educate his wife. Because if you look at every, all the examples you just gave, for the lack of uh, with, for the lack of understanding, uh, they're destroyed. Samuel, Adam, and God, everything all the way through the line is always because man has failed to live up to his duties as prescribed by God. That's a good point. Adam mm-hmm. did not educate Eve. Eve was beguiled by the serpent. She was beguiled. Because he did not do his job. And what was he commanded to do? Yeah. Put everything under subjection unto Christ, and he didn't do it. Adam knew better. And he failed. Yes, that's a good point, Sammy. That's a good point. Thank you. Um, Let's see here. A man is tempted. Another commentary said, A man is tempted and... um, St. Tipsus. First of all, so who 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 made us sin? Well, the fact is that the source of temptation is within us. Okay, it's within us. It, it's our own desires, uh, our own evil desires. It is, our, it is our inner craving. Satan tempts us when we give in to our lustful desires within our hearts, and we sin because we choose to. Okay, and man is tempted, and he succumbs. The commentary said, "A man is tempted and succumbs to temptation when he is attracted, seduced, enticed by his own sinfulness." His own lust, and that is where sin begins in our hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. And who can know it? The Lord, I the Lord search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. And so I think that in the, certainly in this passage we see the sinful depravity of the human heart. Someone says, you know what, but God made me the way I am and I just can't help myself. I'm a victim of my environment. No, God didn't make you a liar. God didn't make you a thief. God didn't make you to be dishonest. God didn't make you to be a drunkard or to be immoral 
or to be unfaithful, or to be an adulterer, or to be a homosexual, or to commit sin. So don't blame God. Amen? In verse 14, uh, James uses a couple of hunting and fishing terms. Listen, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Excuse me. So uh, he uses the, these terms. The words drawn away, for instance, was used to describe uh, wild animals being lured into traps. And then when it takes the bait, it's caught. And then he says man is lured by his own lust. And the word lust means desire of any kind, and an earnest wish for anything, not necessarily just sexual passions. Temptation to do evil comes when we allow our inward desires to entice us. And the word he uses here, the word entice, enticed, uh, it was a fishing term. And it means to capture, to catch or to lure with bait. The fish comes along, sees and he takes the bait, and then it's hooked. Temptation always carries with it some bait that appeals to our natural desires and the bait keeps us from seeing the hook. The consequences of sin, which is judgment, the judgment of God. The next thing that James wants us to know, not only the truth about temptation and the true source of temptation, but he wants us to know the terrible results of temptation. James says that uh, that sin is not just merely a spontaneous act, all right? It's, uh, but the result, it's the result of a process. What you were saying, uh, Brother Keith, yes, Brother Keith. No, Bruce, Brother Bruce. Um, he describes this process of being like a physical conception. And he uses the picture of a birth of a baby. Notice in verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived... It bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so, pardon me, uh, lust, James says that sin is not merely spontaneous, but um, he describes the process as, as being like physical conception, and he uses the picture of the birth of a baby by the word conceived there in verse 15. So lust or desire conceives in the heart from the conception sin is born and the uh, this commentary said the, the grotesque child sin then matures and it produces its own offspring Romans 6:23 tells us for the wages of sin is death so the biblical meaning of death is separation of the soul from the body and spiritual death is the eternal separation from, uh, of man from God. For the believer, sin does not bring forth spiritual death. However, it sometimes can lead to physical death. Temptation brings forth lust. Lust, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading this from this commentary. Lust conceives sin, and sin conceives death. And this is the true genealogy of sin and death. Lust is the mother of sin. Sin is the mother of death. And the sinner, the parent of both. That's quite an explanation there, isn't it? So, in, in the mere desire of good, of happiness, of food, uh, uh, the desire for raiment, th there is no sin. It becomes sin when we when indulge in an improper manner. And when it leads us to seek that which is forbidden. To invade the rights of others 
or in any way to violate the laws of God. And then finally in verse 16, James says, do not err. In other words, don't be deceived. Uh, Don't be led astray by making the mistake, as so many do, of supposing that God is the author of sin. And he tells us there that God is not the author of sin. And, um, or blaming him for our sins. Or that he in any way makes any man to commit sin. And then let's look at how to handle temptation, alright? How to handle temptation. And I think I've given you... Did I list some verses on those? Yes, okay. How to handle temptation. Is it possible to uh, isolate ourselves from all of life's temptations? No. No. Uh, We're faced with the constant struggle every day, especially through the media. So is it possible to handle or overcome temptation? Yes, it is. Yeah. Remember the song? He is able to deliver thee. And uh, so here's some helpful reminders, all right? Remember, first of all, that Jesus also was tempted. Verse, uh, Hebrews 4, verse 15 says, For we have an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, there are some who teach that Jesus could have sinned, and we don't believe that. Amen? It was impossible for Jesus to sin. If he was able to sin, then he wouldn't be God. Jesus dealt with Satan's temptations on what basis? The Word of God. He used the Word of God against him. Three times, as a matter of fact. He said, it is written in Matthew 4. And, uh, and, and of course, you know what happened. You know what Satan did. Oh, okay. I'll use the Word too. He said, hath not God said... You know, God, uh, Satan's good at quoting Scripture. You be careful who you listen to and watch on the television. Uh, Satan can quote Scripture. All right. Know and hide God's Word in your heart to help you deal with temptation. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Someone has said that this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. By the way, to be tempted is not sin. You know that. It's when we yield to temptation that it becomes sin. And um, then remember, secondly, that God knows our limits. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you such as is common to man. It's common to all men, everywhere. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But will, here it is, here's, again, He is able to deliver you. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Jesus suffered temptation. And therefore, He's able to help us in the times of our temptation. Another verse, Hebrews 2.18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure or aid or help them that are tempted. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that he is able to deliver us regardless of what we are going through. And then the third thing is remember to be on guard 
and to pray. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, how true that is. So guard your mind and what you think about... Uh, Doug, would you read Philippians 4, 8, please? Philippians 4, and verse 8. Guard your mind, what you think about, uh, because it's here that Satan attacks us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, listen to what this says, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing in captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Satan fights us right here in our minds. And so we need to be careful. We need to guard ourselves. And we should be thinking instead on... Go ahead, Brother Doug. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. That's what we should be thinking on. Amen? When Satan comes along and he tempts us, and have you ever, can I ask you a question? Have you ever been praying and all of a sudden you start thinking about something else? Yes? You're the only one who does that, Doug? Mm hmm. Right. And then remember to um, stay close to Jesus. And, and, and don't yield to temptation, right? There's a hymn, it's not in our hymnal, uh, Yield Not to Temptation. Anybody heard that song? Anybody know that song? Yield Not to Temptation. You know that one? Okay. Um, do we have another hymnal that may have that on the, in it? Don't worry about it, that's right. But anyway, the hymn is Yield Not to, Tempta- yield not to Temptation. And, uh, and the way we do that, folks, is we stay close to the Lord Jesus. James 4, uh, 7 through 8 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And draw nigh or near to God, and he will draw near to you. Many years ago, uh, while we were uh, raising support to go to England, uh, I visited the uh, Maximum State Prison in Reedsville, North Carolina. Or Georgia, excuse me. Anybody ever been to a... Anybody ever visited a prison? You have, Janice? All right. Huh? Too many times. So I was visiting there with another missionary who worked there. And you know, as we walked between the buildings, the guard that was on duty, who was giving us the tour of the prison, he saw that I was nervous. And he said this. He said, whatever you do, stay close to me. Whatever you do, whatever happens, you be sure to stay close to me. And do you know, I stayed real close to him. I was almost walking in his shoes. And as long as I stayed close to him, I felt safe. 
He wasn't going to let anyone or anything come between he and I. And you know what? It made me think. When temptations come, folks, stay close to Jesus. Don't let anything come between you and Him. Stay real close to Him. And you know what? When you do that, you will be safe. Yes, ma'am. Would you read him, please, Dawes? No. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. That's a good hymn. And as the hymn we sung at the beginning says, Our God is able to deliver thee, though by sin oppressed. Go to Him for rest. Our God is able to deliver thee. And you know what? Um, overcoming trials and temptations is what a faith that works uh, is all about. That's what James has been dealing with. All right? I trust you got something out of that. And, it wasn't too confusing. We had some good thoughts, some good input there too. With uh, uh, Mark, Mark, what do you think about Eve? As far as do you think she was right there, or, or that Adam was right there with her and he saw her? Yes. Uh, 